day for us here at QP Sports Exchange, and I'm so happy to be with you. I'm going to get right to it because we got a lot to get into. Number one, this is a two-part episode. They're being released on the same day. The reason for that is, is that we had a really good football discussion, and then it just manifested itself into a great basketball discussion, and I can't wait for you to hear that. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Um, we gave you love on this podcast as well. We are so grateful for you and downloading. Just continue to support us, and please send in ideas. My Twitter and Coach T's Twitter will be given on both the podcasts. So we talked about, for football this week, basically apologizing to fan bases. So, Bills Mafia, Titans Nation, and the 12th man up in Seattle, listen for your segment. Because, like Coach T and myself has said, we're not hard to find, and we don't duck. So when we need to apologize for getting something wrong, we hold each other accountable, and we just rip the band-aid off and say, hey, I was wrong. We also talk about Tua Tyavailoa and his possible start after the bye week. Would you or would you not do that? We also have a question that I proposed, and it went like this. Would you give any trade assets for Sam Darnold? And with that being said, sit back and enjoy part one of the pod. Okay, y'all know what time it is. Y'all rocking with the best. This is QP Sports Exchange back on the air. Myself, Coach T, and we ready to roll. Coach T, how was your week? Was amazing, brother. Another busy week. Uh, just man, God's so amazing. Just he, he, he's using me in every way that I ask plus some. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely grateful and I'm happy, man. How was your week, bro? My week was super blessed. We got to talk to the parenting coach. That was an absolute blessing. He said that he checked out the pod. So before he uh, talked with us, so I was I was enthused by that as well. And uh, he has some really good, what he called parenting hacks. I guess that's the the new buzzword for the millennials is everything life hack. You know, so anything that's information is called a hack now. So, yeah, you got the cheat codes going on. I need those. <laughs> right. Oh, no, I'll slide those. I'll slide those to you because he had one that was like, oh, that's, that's a cold piece right there. So, yeah, we're going to have to get offline on that one and talk about that one. We don't want to give any trade secrets away, you know, to the kids so they can 
you know, get a zone defense on us or whatever. So we'll, we'll I'll hit you up offline on that one. But yeah, it was blessed. We talked to him, you know, we seem like there's, there's some semblance of order now and things starting to calm down and my mind was at rest. So uh, I was really happy with this weekend's football games, a lot to talk about, and we're going to get it started pretty much now. You ready to roll? Let's do it, man. All right. Well, the first thing that we got to get out the way is, guess what? Your boy Vince has an apology. Last week on the show, we talked about the Buffalo Bills. Lo and behold, as we were talking about the Buffalo Bills, they were getting stomped by the Tennessee Titans. Then they followed that up with a loss to Kansas City. No shade on losing to Kansas City whatsoever, because that's still the best team in the AFC. But I might have crowned Bills Mafia a little too soon. And there's one stat, Coach T, that I want to tell you about that I dug up is that Bills quarterback Josh Allen is one in seven against good teams and what they consider good teams, three games over 500 or more. He is one in seven. So that is where Buffalo is. I still think they could win that division. I still think that New England can win that division. But thinking that maybe they were going to go run away and hide, that might have been a little too much and a little too soon. And my apologies, Buffalo. You can still be hyped about the squad. Bills Mafia, you're still good. But you might be a step below the upper echelon of what the AFC is. Not quite there yet, Buffalo. Like, And that's what I said, you know uh... – when we were talking about it, it's just something about Josh Allen I'm just not ready to trust yet. You know, I don't I don't know what it is. And he's playing well. Like, he's getting better. And that's what you want to see from a young quarterback. You want to see improvement from year to year. And that makes you feel comfortable. But after watching him in the playoffs, I kind of was like, eh, I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? And then I watched this season, and I was like, eh. That's why when we asked, when we, you know, when you pose that question out there about the undefeated teams at the time, I was like, Buffalo, I really don't, I can't trust that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really can't. So, like, they've lost the last two games, right, um, Buffalo right. has. Um, but hopefully, you know, they'll figure it out. I mean, I do think they do have a good team, you know, definitely good enough to go to the playoffs. I just don't know if uh, I'm ready to crown them as the, uh, <laughs> you know, the next great thing in the NFL yet, man. For sure. I was wrong because I was thinking to myself that, you know, the defense, real solid. And I thought they would put Josh Allen in better positions, personally. I just thought that they would, they had the formula, run the football, get them in like third and threes where, you know, not a lot of pressure. And what we have found out that as soon as you get them in third and sevens, it's a wrap because He's still trying to throw a ball through a wall. So with that being said, you know, he's making adjustments. He's getting better, but he's just not there yet. So I'm with you on that. And, again, Buffalo, my apologies. I might have crowned you too soon. But that division is still winnable for you. So that should be your goal is to decrown the hoodie. I still don't know on that. I still think that Cam 
is going to find a way. So, and I'm not thinking that performance against Denver was indicative of what he's going to look like for the rest of the year. I think that was very short practice sessions. They didn't know if they were going to have them until like a, like a couple days before the game, if not a day before the game. And that's what it looked like. It looked like a Bill Belichick team that didn't practice. I still think that New England can win that division. And I think Cam will, uh, that performance was just not really a Cam performance. I think there's a lot more in the tank than what we just saw. What's your thoughts on that? I agree, man. The reality is people are so ready to see him fail that when he had the game on Sunday that he had, um, everybody was like their, their fingers were ready to start typing all the negative stuff. Rex Ryan, he said what he said, which was, you know, I don't know if you heard the, the clip um, about him just talking about. No, I didn't. But yeah, like he was saying how it's scary to see Cam playing like that. He's struggling to make the throws and, you know, just basically saying I told you so about Cam and that the Panthers are looking like geniuses for letting them go. And I'm like, we're talking about one game off, off of this dude coming back from having COVID. And, you know, what I'm saying not really getting to play like. Give them some grace, but but some people just won't. They just don't like Cam. They don't. They they've never liked this style of play, and it's just coming out now. It's just they're being they're they're not scared to be you know public about it anymore. So I, I say give them some grace. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just one game, dude. Everybody has a bad game, so I'm um, giving him some time to get back. You know, get his wings back, and um, you know, get back into that regular schedule. I mean, I don't know what it feels like to have COVID and then have to pre- prepare to play an NFL game. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, are you kidding me? As the quarterback, like, come on, dude. Like, Rex Ryan, like, I wasn't really a fan of his opinion. That's his opinion. We're all entitled to it. But, man, I wasn't feeling that take, man. No, that's a harsh take. I believe that what you're going to see from Cam is more of what you saw in the game that they lost, but it was real close, is the one, the game they lost uh, to Seattle, right? It was the last play of the game. He played well. And I think that's what you're going to see is that quarterback. Like you said, he had COVID, missed a week, didn't get to practice. We don't know if that dude lost 10, 12 pounds off that. You know, we don't know if it's like some kind of super flu condition and, you know, you lose weight and whatever the case may be. So, yeah, let's cut him some slack, show him some grace, and see – what the next five or six game looks like, and then we'll start making decisions on what they need to do at the quarterback position in New England. The other piece of news that I have for you, Coach T, is this. Before you came on board, before there was talk of Mud Talk Podcast and Milton Malik AAU, I had bold predictions for the upcoming season. So I am going to also now apologize to the entire state of Tennessee. Titans Nation, my apologies to you. In my AFC South preview, Coach T, go to the archives, guys, two-piece sports exchange. I had Tennessee, you know, getting to about nine and seven, ten and six. You know, maybe getting into the playoffs. I wasn't feeling Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback 
And I didn't think they could repeat what they had just done in the last season. I didn't think they could do the exact same formula and continue to be successful. Guess what? I was wrong. We told you guys, we are here. We do not hide. So the entire state of Tennessee, my apologies. Ryan Tanhill looks like he's definitely like the definition of a game-managing quarterback, run the football a lot, and have Derrick Henry run over Josh Norman like he was a, a rag doll. So that's my other apology. Coach T, your thoughts on that? Yo, Josh, I love you, bro. Like, you played here in Charlotte. You were the best thing we had out there in the secondary for a while, and I just – I love, you know – his story alone. So I just want to get that out the way coming from coastal Carolina and just, you know, coming to the league. And, and I mean, we should have paid him and kept him here, but we didn't. And he went to Washington and now he's back with his old defensive coordinator up there in Buffalo. So I thought it would have worked out a lot better. Um, but that's stiff arm dog. Like when you're going after Derrick Henry, man, you can't try to tackle him high, man. That ain't the guy. He already run high as it is. You know what I'm saying? And he's big. He's what, like six two? You know what I'm he's saying? Six, like he's six three. Six three. And they like, list they list him at like two forty five. Well, that dude has to be like two sixty. I don't want nothing to do with that. And and that's no. and that's and that's a that that has a lot to do with why the Tennessee Titans are going to be a team to look at as as a potential like contender when the playoffs start. Because I, I definitely think they're going to make it to the playoffs. Because when it starts to get cold, man. I've never played the game of football and I'm not even going to count like middle school football. Shouts out to my middle school, small middle school. Y'all know the deal. Hey, coach put a little skinny kid out there, defensive end. And I'm going to tell you like this. I found out very quickly that you do not want to try to tackle a running back high. You're going to mm. truck or you're going to get stepped on something, something, something going to go wrong. You feel me? So like, uh, I can't imagine what it feels like to have to be, trying to tackle Derrick Henry the whole game. Like, you might be lit the first quarter. All right, we're going to hit him. We're going to gang tackle. Man, by the third, fourth quarter, man, you don't, you don't want to tackle that dude, man. You know oh, what no, I'm saying? You're making, yeah. you're making some serious business decisions at that point. You For know, sure. at the, in the third quarter when you tired and you've been in about 27 car wrecks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not trying to get after a 6'3", at least 250-pound running back. Yeah, no, I, thank I, you. I give him some grace a little bit for having the heart to try to solo tackle him and not just flat out whiffing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that, that's about it, man. I, I would have went low if I if I could redo that. Hey, Josh, go low, bro. Go for the ankles and the shoestrings. You know what I'm saying? Don't even go high on that. And then you know the internet went in on this whole situation. Yes, the internet is undefeated, bro, What's and so? they did not disappoint with this. Man, oh, like, like soon when we get to the next level, the level we're headed to with, with, with our podcast, man, like, hey, we're going to be able to put that image on the screen, man, because I don't know what's the funniest one that you saw, but for me was the, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air take where they, uh, you know, like Jazz Jazz got thrown out the front door all the time. They, they had Josh Norman, like his body going out the front oh. door. <laughs> that had me tripping, man. I was like, "Oh, that's so savage!" Yeah, man. Yeah, shout yeah. out, shout out to whoever did that. I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find that tweet for Instagram 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and reshare or retweet that situation because that is that sounds savage. <laughs> it was silly, man. It was silly, and I you know it was a lot of them, like you said, and like when I saw that one, I was like, oh my god, like. And like you say, the internet's undefeated, man. If somebody's going to continue to be creative with it, somebody's going to come out with a full video. They probably already got one. I, I seen something similar with the DJ Moore touchdown against Atlanta last week where they just had him running through everything, nonstop running. He was running on the highway. He was running everywhere. You know what I'm saying? The White House. They had this man everywhere. So these these kids, man, and these, these tech babies, man, they know how to, you know what I mean, take something and run with it for sure. Oh, man. When I saw it, it just reminded me, you know, Coach Tia, I'm old school, okay? So, kids, go to your YouTube and type in this name, Earl Campbell, Houston Oilers. Because if you want to see somebody put a stiff arm onto somebody, that's what that reminded me of. But Earl Campbell did it on a daily basis. He was... He was destroying people. It was back in the like late 70s and early 80s. He was killing people. It was just, it was hilarious. And he just bam. And you see these people fly. And he'll be in a, a like a scrum with like eight, nine dudes. And then all of a sudden the scrum is moving, like going down the field because he's moving the scrum with him. Was, he was a bad boy. So, when I saw that Derrick Henry thing, I was like, man, that's Earl Campbell all day long right there. So I was like, oof. Shouts out to Josh Norman for even attempting it, like Coach you said. I mean, you, you know, hey, bro, you a football player. That's what you're supposed to do is tackle a guy. But you've given us hours of entertainment because of the internet. Yeah, you better than me, bro. Like, I know one thing, and, like, not to, like, keep going on this, but, like, when I got trucked, in practice, I never forget, man. It's a story. You about to, you about to hear something from Coach T. Story. Oh, right story here. time. Right here. All right. Right here. Hey, eighth grade practice football practice. Coach put me at defensive end. I, you know, I didn't. Even, I was positionless. I really didn't even know like where I was supposed to be on the field. So he put me at D end and tight end. And man, wow. back in the day, the tight ends weren't catching no passes. You know what I'm saying? And and mm -hmm. we weren't really getting no sacks at defensive end. So. You know, we, 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 you know, I'm on the first team defense against the first team offense. We're going through a play. Coach said we're going half speed. So in my mind, you know, I'm thinking, okay, half speed. We're not about to, you know, we're we going to wrap up, maybe a little two-hand touch, something like that. Just stop the play. They're going to blow the whistle, man. They hand the ball off to the running back. He coming off. You know, I'm coming off. This man just straight dropped the shoulder. Boom. I, mean, I feel like I couldn't even breathe, bro. Like, I can't imagine how it feels to get trucked by NFL running back, uh, even a college running back. Like, it, it hurt, bro. Like, ain't no way. Like, I can't imagine. That's when I knew right there, football one for Coach T. Put me in that gym with that hardwood and that AC. And, uh, yeah, I'm good on that. And if mm. it's hard, I'm at the foul line. <laughs> mm. Like, I'm straight up. Yeah. We might get a technical out of this one. We going to get the ball back as well. So Yeah, I never forget that dude, man. Jeff. That was his name, the running back, Jeff. So, I don't know. Jeff, if you're hearing this, bro, like, I never forget when you trucked me at practice that day, bro. Like, I'm straight. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Jeff was a great running back, too, for us, by the way. But, man, half speed was definitely not half speed that day. I don't know what that was, bro, for real. For a second, Coach T, I thought that was like, if I see you out in these streets. 
it wasn't Jeff's fault, that you know what I'm saying? He 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 smelled blood, you know what I'm saying? And he dropped the shoulder. And, yeah, I went right down with his shoulder. I was under the shoulder, do the did the limbo joint. I thought my man was about to go straight. Uh was oh man, come on, dude. Uh golden tape. I thought he was gonna hey yo, I see you, I see you when I see you, bro. Catch me outside and all of that. Nah, I'm good, man. Cause uh, I love the game. I love I love the game of football. But I just I, I realized at an early age. I don't know if it's because I started playing so late that I just I don't know if my body, my frame, just wasn't built for it. Or coach put me in that spot, man. So mm. I don't. They should have never put a, a, a hundred and twenty pound kid probably in, in them days. Put me a defensive end, man. That, that that didn't really work out. That does not sound like an equation for success. That's just me. I'm not attacking your your coaching prowess, but a 120 pound guy at at the defensive end position that does not sound like that's going to be successful for a long period of time. Yeah, it wasn't, man. It uh, my career actually started and ended in eighth grade. So yeah, that's <laughs> it, man. Yeah, I mean, down the road, I'll have to tell you my football story. It's it's somewhat similar to that, but a little bit different. But I want to get to one other thing. This is just the pod of apologies at this point. So Seattle, the Seahawks organization, I owe you guys an apology as well. I was like, I don't think their defense is as good as it used to be. And Russ is going to have to score like 35, 36 points to win games. That was my take, Coach T. Russ is still cooking. Uh, It looks like the defense can hold people to like 20 points every once in a while. So Seattle is for real. They are, they are looking great. You know, I don't know what you've been seeing with them, but Russ can do no wrong at this point. And having DK Metcalf at a wide receiver position might be the most unfair thing on the face of the planet with a scrambling quarterback that can get out of trouble. Yeah, Russ is uh man, he's exactly, you know, who I said he was, who I thought he was. I think he's on he's on pace for MVP season. Um I, I think that the way he's playing, he reminds me of I mean, you name it, any of the other greats during those seasons that they had when they were MVPs. It just they they elevate each position on that offense, you know, especially the skill positions. Like you say, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs. They just make everybody look better. It, it doesn't even matter who's out there. He's going to find them. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's playing amazing. So I, I think this year he's definitely going to get what he deserves. Kansas City and, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes or Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, they're being a little inconsistent on offense, you know. So i not saying that he can't go on a roll because we know what he's capable of. But I just think Russ, Russ is putting together a level of consistency that's going to uh, – lead him to getting that MVP trophy this year. And I, and I want to see it happen, honestly, man, because he's a great quarterback. He's already won a Super Bowl. I think this is just one thing that, you know, he'll be able to check off the list, man. So, shouts out to Russ. Shouts out to Seattle, man. Yeah, and actually, Russ is reminding me a lot of Joe Montana. Um, obviously, a lot more athletic, right? But he's always under control. He never looks shook. Nothing ever gets to him. and. That's how he is the whole time. And then he gets on the microphone and he thanks God, gives his teammates all the credit, 
and says, go Hawks. I mean, literally, that's this dude is going to be able to run for a political office after if he wants to. You know, I don't know where his his uh, ambitions are post football career, but he's looking excellent. And I just am amazed by the level of poise that he's showing uh, this year. It just looks effortless. I think that's the thing for me right now is it just looks effortless. And we both know that the quarterback position in the NFL, that is not any term that should be used for that position because it's a hard position to play. But, yeah, man, Russ is definitely going to um, continue to prove people wrong because, like I said, when, when he's playing the way he's playing, it really doesn't matter how consistent that defense is because he's playing at a level that's just so high. That he's he's – He's going to win a ton of games for Seattle. He's going to win a ton of games. And I think, like you say, the weapons he has around him and, you know, shout out to my boy, not to get off topic, man, but Greg Olson. I know Greg Olson is in Seattle, man. I'm glad he kind of landed in a good spot after leaving Carolina and doing everything he did here. So I'm always happy to see stuff like that happen for players. Um, He had, what, 3,000-yard seasons here in Carolina at the tight end position. Did some amazing things, man. Was a part of our Super Bowl run. He was Cam's number one target, to be real. And uh, now he's in Seattle, man. He gets to play with Russ. So, man, that's awesome, man. I'm so happy for Greg Olson, man. That was Cam's only target. I mean, to be real, when he was in his MVP bag, I mean, no offense to the rest of the guys that were there, but Greg Olson was his number one. You have not said anything that's not true. A couple of news and notes from the NFL that I want to hit you with, Coach T. Are you ready for these? Let's do it. All right. Miami made the announcement today. It's all breaking down. Breaking news right here at QP Sports Exchange. Tua Tyavailoa is going to start his first game in the NFL after the bye week. I have said on a previous podcast when I did the AFC East preview that I didn't want to see Tua until like week 12, Uh, you know, so he could get some experience. Do you think this might be a little too early? Because given the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick won a couple games and whatever, the ship is sailing pretty smooth. Or do you think it's, it's about time? So just like any other decision that people make, especially in, 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 in the sports world, they're either going to look be looked at as geniuses <laughs> or um, idiots. Excuse excuse the language, but I mean, right now the Dolphins are what three and three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So they're kind of middle of the pack. They're what like in second place or something in their division. So I think right now it's either going to be really really good time and a really really bad time. And I mean that's a crazy answer, but I'm just being honest because if he comes in and he wins a couple games, and now we're talking like two weeks down the line, the Dolphins are five and three, and you're starting to see, you know, what you thought you would see from this guy when you drafted him, right, <laughs> to be a, a, a great quarterback in this league over time, you know, it works out for Miami. Um, we know that Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a Band-Aid, right? He's going to have some, some good games, right, where you're going to be like, oh, man, the Fitz magic or whatever people say. 
you're going to see that. But then you're also going to see the other side of Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, you know, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting these next two games, I mean, he could, I mean, he could go either way, right? So why not have your rookie in there and say, all right, well, at least if he goes one and one, we, we've seen some positive things from him. If he goes 0 and 2, all right, we, we're still seeing something from him because you need to know what you have in this quarterback that you drafted and invested a ton of time and effort and money into. So you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame Miami. It is weird timing though. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause they're three and three. So it's either going to go good or it's going to go. Okay. I'm not even going to say bad because either way you're going to, you're going to get your rookie quarterback on the field. And long as he doesn't get hurt, you're going to, you know, have some kind of uh snapshot of, of what he can do on this level. So you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. I'm rooting for Miami, too, man, because they've been through enough, man. It'd be good to see, you know, a quarterback that they draft that actually do well. So, uh, yeah, I'm rooting for him. Okay. Crazy stat time, and I have an actual rebuttal take to this. Since Dan Marino retired in 1999, the Miami Dolphins have gone through 22 quarterbacks. So I'll say that again. Marino retired. 21 years ago, they've gone through 22 quarterbacks since. So my rebuttal to that is this. I definitely want to get him on the field, Coach T. Here was my only thing, right? He just came off a really bad ankle injury. Now, I know they wouldn't put him out there if he's not 100%. I got all that. But my whole thing is this, is that your offensive line is not great. You got a veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick that can keep you in games, keep you competitive. You weren't looking to make that move this year really anyway. Fitzpatrick was just kind of a holdover. He knows that the, the, the sands in the hourglass are running low. Keep him in there until like week 11, maybe 12, right? And then let your – number one draft pick come in he's also going to be playing against teams that have played the entire year down right so they're going to be a little bit more beat up so his his speed and athleticism would even be more uh eye-popping because let's face it with some of the scheduling situations because of COVID you're going to have teams that don't have that natural buy so you're looking at a situation that they get to week 12 and how tired is the defense going to be? So that was my only thing is to set him up for success. Now, there's multiple ways of doing it. I'm not saying they're wrong. I just would have liked to see the kid have maybe a couple more weeks of evaluating the game from the sideline myself. When I did the uh, preview for the AFC East, I said if I was Tua's father, I would want maybe to see him around week 12, week 13. I think that was exactly what I said. And not saying that this is not going to work. I'm excited to see the kid, I'm, you know, because the last time we saw him, God bless him. I'm, I'm glad that he made a speedy recovery and he's completely healthy. But the last time we saw him, we saw him being literally carted off the field, you know, in a real game. So I'm glad to see him, and I'm going to be really interested to what he's going to bring. I just think I would have liked to have seen him maybe three or four more weeks later. For sure. And, and you have to think about it on this level, too. Like, the NFL is a business, and, and Miami has struggled 
especially with their fan base. They have some diehard fans. You know, if you've been a Miami Dolphins fan, I have an uncle. Shouts out to my uncle Calvin, man. My dad's brother. He He's the only really Dolphins fan that I know. But he's been around since back in the day where, you know, they went undefeated and, you know, the Dan Marinos and all that during that time. Um, so I, I feel for those fans that they finally get to see something. But also um, the, the Miami Dolphins organization, they know that with Tua playing, it's going to bring money into the organization. Right now we're talking about jersey sales. We're talking about um, just revenue on, on different levels that wouldn't be coming in if he was on the bench. So I, I think the business aspect of it is, 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 is important to think about too. And I think they're, they're, they're trying to use that, you know, so I don't blame them. Like if I'm the owner, like, Hey, this is why we drafted him. We know he's going to put butts in the seats. We know he's going to sell jerseys and on, Oh yeah. Let's see if he can actually play. So what happens is if Miami does like some kind of way miraculously makes the, the wild card or, or wins their division, they're really going to look like geniuses. You know what I'm saying? Then we're going to have, you know, two will be up for rookie of the year to kind of, you know, write his own story here. You know, it just all, it's all about how he plays. But like you say, there's, there's moving parts. There's the offensive line. There is the, there's the running game going to uh, set him up to be able to kind of just manage the game. Like most rookie quarterbacks are, does, does he have reliable targets? Does he have tight ends and stuff like that? I haven't watched enough Miami football to, to know what that team looks like. But I can I can understand why, to a certain extent, that they made this decision. Um, but like you say, he he clearly is healthy because you wouldn't put him out there after those serious injuries at Alabama. But um, you know, I, I would love to see him succeed. But hey, we on Sunday it gets real. We know that. So uh, hopefully he gets out there and does his thing, man. And and this decision looks looks like a great one. Hey, man, I'm going to go ahead and give a, another shout-out to a Miami Dolphin fan. It's an old friend of mine, Will Martin. This dude is Miami. So he, he loves Dan Marino. And he's been wanting the Dolphins to be good. So I know he's super excited about Ty Vailoa starting for his team. So I'm going to go ahead and end it on that. But, yeah, shout-out to Uncle Calvin and shout-out to Will Martin. Y'all Dolphin fans. And shout out to Day County. We still love y'all. I know y'all hurting after the Heat um, finals exit, but y'all be back. Yeah, man. I think uh, Miami, you got some hope. Have some hope. <laughs> uh, uh, matter of fact, y'all are about to um, – two is going to give you hope, especially the football side of things. Because like you say, the, the basketball team just made it to the finals. You're coming off of that. And having a rookie quarterback, especially somebody with high expectations, it's very exciting. Like, I've been through that here in Charlotte where we had Cam and he was the number one pick, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, uh, you know, this polarizing figure coming into your city. It's very exciting. I, you know, I bought a Cam Newton jersey as soon as they went on sale his rookie year. And I, I know how it can change just the environment in a city that's not used to that. You know, we weren't used to I mean, we had we didn't have a a star quarterback prior to Cam. I mean, we had Jake DeLome, if you want to count that. I, I don't even know if uh, some people in Charlotte like to mention him um, in the likes of the greats, but I think he just had some great weapons. <laughs> he had some great weapons. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think necessarily he was a great quarterback. When you could just throw it up and you got Steve Smith in his prime and you got Musa Muhammad, you know, oh, at yeah. Time, yeah, I mean, two running backs, two beast running backs in the backfield. Like, Oh, um, yeah. Shout out to Deshaun Foster. Because exactly. that's the, my UCLA boy. 
So you know yeah. I'm gonna get it. Listen, like Coach T goes hard and caves up for the Tar Heels. Go Bruins, eight clap, all that. Deshaun Foster was a beast in Carolina. For sure, man. Hey, hey, they used to say he used to do the hopscotch, man. He'd be juking people, you know what I'm saying? Like with the black shield on, you know what I mean? Getting it in. Like I love that backfield. But I don't, you know, just Jake DeLone wasn't a superstar, but you know, I can relate to Miami um having a superstar quarterback and everybody's itching like to see what he looks like and um you know I, I would be excited if I you know if I was a Miami fan I'm excited and I, I think I'm I'm going to tune in to a Miami game just because I want to see I want to see him play just like Joe Burrow we all want to see what he was going to do it's just a certain excitement that surrounds a rookie quarterback that has a ton of expectations coming in and we know he's going to get to play the ratings are about to go up Miami believe that for sure so Carolina, again, y'all lost last week. I understand that you are at a deficit in the tanking for Trevor situation. But just remember, you could be the epicenter of the NFL world if you get Trevor Lawrence. You know, keep that in mind. I understand Teddy B doing his thing, but Is he? you too could have a, a franchise and actually, if you think about it, not just a franchise guy, that can be the face of a league type guy right there. Did you see that guy on Saturday, man? Oh, <laughs> my God. Are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I'm not even – like, the score was ridiculous, right? What is it, 73 to 7? I think I posted yep, it on – like, exactly I posted that on was. Sunday. I posted that on Sunday on Twitter after the Panthers game, and I'm like, yeah, meanwhile, the quarterback we actually need, he, he he's doing this. You get what I'm saying? Like, if you just see the throws that he makes, he can make every throw. And, and, and it's not even the throw. It's the mechanics. Like, when, when he's rolling out to the left and, and his ability to turn his hips and square up and, and just, I mean, it just seems so natural. You get what I'm saying? Like, this guy, barring any injuries, is going to get to the league and he's going to be everything we expect him to be. Everything the, we expect him to be. The scouting report on him is that He's the cleanest prospect since John Elway. I mean, I mean, is there anything else that needs to be said on that? I mean, if you talk to the guys, like, shout out to Mike Miller on Bleacher Report. Shout out to that dude because he does an incredible job. If you ever want to, like, understand the game of football, when the NFL Network had Mike Mayock, Coach T, that was my dude. Now my new dude, go get this follow, Mike Miller with Bleacher Report. That dude breaks it down, and he is he's he's tapped in to the pulse. But when he told when he said that this is the cleanest prospect since John Elway, that told me all I needed to know. Yeah, and instead of us really chasing that, and I, you know what, Vince, give me a second, all right. Panther fans, like, do y'all get what I've been saying? Are y'all really feeling me yet, or are y'all not feeling me yet? The inconsistency on this team is because of the talent. It's because of the talent, or lack thereof. What you're seeing from Teddy B is exactly what he is. Like, he's going to make some good throws. He can he can make the short passes. He's crisp with it. But at the same time, he, look, he's inconsistent, dude. Like, to a certain extent, he's not going to be a superstar he's he's going to throw some touchdowns he's going to have some games where he has 300 yards but also 
who is he throwing to, man? Like DJ Moore, first round pick. <clears throat> excuse me, man. First round pick. One week he's catching a touchdown. Next week he's dropping dropping balls in the end zone and dropping multiple passes. Like we don't have the talent on this team, and the only way we're going to get the talent on this team, and the only way we're going to know if the, if this front office is exactly what we're expecting them to be, is giving them the opportunity to go after each player that they need in the draft. And it starts with the quarterback position. But we don't want to go out to Trevor Lawrence. We don't want to go out to Trevor Lawrence, right? We want to continue to win games and find ourselves in the middle of the pack. So I take this as a blessing. Um, maybe we can continue to lose games going forward. But right now there's some teams that are one and five, a couple of them. And uh, we got a ways to go if we're going to catch up with them because I'm surprised that they actually won games. And you know what teams I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I got you. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that's the thing, right? Because I'll go ahead and give it from the L.A. perspective, who is on kind of the opposite end of where you are, right? The one thing about our quarterback is this, is that he needs a lot around him to be special, okay? Um, the rant, Jerry Goff is the type of guy who needs a – very good offensive line and a very good running game to be successful in the NFL. The one thing that he did do last year, Coach T, that I want to kind of alert you to is he gave some of the money back that he got a couple years ago. So when he signed the big contract, he restructured his contract in the offseason because he knew he needed other things to help him win. See, there's only very few that can elevate a team, in a sense, by himself. The Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Patrick Mahomes of the world, the Russell Wilsons of the world. Um, if you want to say in a, in a lesser effect, the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world. Those are the guys that offensive line not great, that's okay. I'll get the ball out quicker. Don't have a running game. I'll be the running game, you know? So that's the type of thing that Carolina should want for the team is that you know that you play in Carolina, and I know it's a beautiful city, but you're not going to get, like, all the top-notch free agents to go there. So you got to build through the draft. And when you get a chance to get a generational – talent you got to try to get that as quickly and as efficiently as you can you want to get that so i hope that this was kind of them kind of settling back down to what they really are and i'm sorry panther fans i want you to be good but i want you to be good for a while not just one year it'll make the podcast better think selfishly it'll make the podcast better because the other dude on the line be a happier cat longevity man longevity that, that's what i that's what i'm preaching longevity and if that's what you guys want then you know you're on you're, you're on the same side with me but panthers fans i mean dude i see some of y'all weekend I, i'm i'm on twitter and the fact that you guys are pouring your emotions into this team it just i sometimes i don't understand what it what it, i don't even get it like what planet are you guys on like, we knew this team going into this year. I'm telling you, the best thing that's come out of this season so far is the offensive line. 
the offensive line has surprised me because when when you can lose your top running back and then the backup running back is still able to produce at a high level, it's telling me that the O-line is doing its job. It's also telling me, okay, I'm looking at Teddy Bridgewater. He's not getting put on the ground a lot. So the offensive line, to me, by far, has 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 surprised me. So I'm happy to see that because I honestly thought the offensive line was trash. Like, you know, um, so shouts out to Matt Paradise. You know, he's one of the anchors on the line. They're just – that unit has been playing really, really well. So um, that, that definitely has surprised me. So I'm cool, you know, going into the offseason, know that our offensive line is intact. Guess what? That's perfect for us to pull in that quarterback because now a rookie quarterback is coming in behind a good O-line and a good running game, and it's setting him up for success. Like, I don't understand why we would not want to see that. Like, instead, you guys want to see us win seven games. Like, come Ooh. on, man. Come on. Come on. I know. I hate to keep – I hate I hate, I hate. hate to be a record on. on repeat right now, but, dude, that, it's the same thing around here, bro, every week. And the sports radio, they, like, real mad. Like, oh, how, how do we lose, you know, this, that, and the third. Like, dude, y'all, what do y'all want from this team? What do y'all want from this team? I know y'all want ratings on the radio, but, like, like long term, you, you, you're talking about job security, long term. Like, if we get Trevor Lawrence, you ain't got to worry about job security. You're going to have something to talk about every week, bro, every week. And not only that, here's the other thing. No offense to Justin Fields in Ohio State, okay? Shout out to that brother because he's going to get to play next this Saturday, and I'm looking forward to it. But there's a difference when you say the cleanest prospect since John Elway, and then there's Justin Fields, okay? There's a huge chasm there. And I need people to kind of understand what we're talking about, okay? John Elway is a legend and a Hall of Famer, okay? Justin Fields is basically a bigger version of Kyler Murray. No offense to Kyler Murray because he looks like he's going to be excellent as well, but he's not there yet. Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and electrify wherever he is. That's just the honest truth is like he's ready for NFL defenses now. Jim Moore Jr., Coach T, said that, and this is a person who's been a head coach in the National Football League and also been a head coach in college football. And he's a pretty good talent evaluator, right? He said that right now Trevor Lawrence is a top seven quarterback in the NFL. That's crazy. That really hey man, that's, the- I'm giving you that's what I'm giving you. Um this is Italian evaluator who's telling telling us this. So that's what I'm trying to get the, the Panther fans to understand. And that's what all the starting quarterbacks currently in the NFL, like quarterbacks that are playing on Sundays. Yeah, that's a, that's an eye opener right there, man. I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else you can say about this kid. You can talk about his character, um, the fact that Dabo, you know, is you, you, you know what type of coach Dabo is, but you also know that he um, he's, he has morals. You get what I'm saying? And, 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 and what I've heard about Trevor Lawrence is he's a good kid, you know, and I'm not like you, you hear that a lot about some players. And honestly, let's, let's, let's scratch that. Like today in 2020, you're going to get all the dirt. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're going to hear if this player is involved in this or that or this and that. And, I, and like I say, it's this is my territory here. Clemson football, I hear about it a lot, you know. So 
one thing we hear about Trevor Lawrence is that his character is just amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what else could you want? Like, what else could you want from, you know, a potential superstar quarterback, your potential, you know, next, you know, quarterback for the next 10 years? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else to check off on the list. And Coach T, we can end it just like this. And then we can go ahead and drop the mic on this subject. I'm going to hit them with this one little other fact. By the way, Carolina Panther fans and all other prospective people who are looking at the first pick overall, that man did not have to have a snap of his junior year and still be the number one pick. He opted in to play, and he didn't have to. He had two years of film. He had two years of bowl championship series moments. He was good. He didn't need to play this year. He opted in to be with his teammates. That's a leader. That's an, that's an impact in your community. That's an impact to get eyes on the city of Charlotte and promote that city because it is one of the jewels of this country. That's the type of person that you're looking at who's going to be the potential number one pick overall. And we'll leave it like that. Coach T, we have a couple other things, and then we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to your heart. But I'm going to run through these very quickly. Le'Veon Bell joins the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? Now, at first, I thought somebody was playing an April Fool's joke on me, and then all the reports start coming out. Here's the one thing I'll ask you. There are reports that he has lost his step. Do you, do you think, personally, that matters in that Kansas City offense, and do you think he'll be not maybe Pittsburgh Le'Veon Bell, but maybe 75% of Pittsburgh Le'Veon Bell. We're definitely going to find out because if, if you're motivated at any point or, or if he's lost motivation from playing with the Jets, as a lot of people do, that organization is just known. I mean, we talked about it on the last episode, how they just can't have nice things and, you know, um, Le'Veon Bell going in there, he, he was one of the best running backs in the league at the time. So maybe he kind of lost his mojo mentally, like like wanting to play, like he had nothing to look forward to, right? If you're going to get it back mentally, this is the situation where you get it back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like back in the day when Moss went went to New England, like he got it back. Like if, he, if they thought he had lost it, he got it back and he's going to show everybody. So I think that this system personally, just because they have the rookie running back who's been playing well, that he doesn't have to shoulder the load. And, and quite honestly, they'll be able to use both of them. And, and I think it'll benefit Le'Veon Bell in the long run to be able to kind of, you know, what, 15 snaps a game? You know what I'm saying? Something like that for him. Uh, I, think, I think that'll be the, the ideal number for him. And he, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he got the best quarterback in the league, arguably. Um, of course, until somebody else wins the MVP in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, talent-wise, you know, we would say Patrick Mahomes is the, is the best quarterback in the league. I don't, I don't see how you, how you don't, you know, get up every day and, like, try to 
just go hard, practice hard. You know what I mean? Just let the world know that, look, y'all, y'all must've forgot that I'm, you know, one of the best guys out here in the backfield is doing it in the league. So this is the perfect time for him. And I think that he can uh, block out all the extra noise and all the extra stuff he had going on, like where he was at. He can, he can, he can come in, in Kansas city and produce at a high level. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I don't see this as a, as a, as a deficit at all. I mean, you're, you're getting him for nothing. You didn't have to give up anything. And here's the other thing. I've heard they wanted to use a two-back system where you split the backs, and they would have Clyde um, Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell in the backfield together. And with Kittles and Tyreek Hill and uh, uh, Miko Hartman, I mean, that's just devastating to me to hear something like that because I, who do you guard? Who do you double? Forget about Sammy Watkins. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, I mean, Andy Reid's going to put them all out there. And that, and that's, that's where, you know, we was giving him his, his flowers, right? Um, one of the recent episodes, just about his coaching ability, his ability to scheme up plays and how in Philly he had a, you know, certain amount of talent, but he's never had the talent that he has now. And just with his knowledge and his ability to draw up plays offensively, man, I can only imagine. Like, if all those guys are out there. What do you do? <laughs> you know, what do you do as a defense? Like, I wouldn't want to be that D coordinator. You know what I mean? You're going to be losing sleep. You know what I mean? Your hair is going to be turning gray. Or your hair going to fall out. One or the other. You know what I mean? Trying to, trying to figure out a solution for that. Yeah, it's going to be real ugly to try to diagnose the defense to, to go ahead and see who – you know, whatever, whoever the hot read is. And here's the other thing. A lot of the dudes that we just said, as soon as they get the football, whether they caught the football only five year, five yards down the field or 35 or 40 yards down the field, oh, they can house it at any point. That's definitely a part of the challenge, man. Uh You've heard the term be used, the rich get richer, you know, and uh, this is just one of those situations, you know, but you benefit from having a great organization and, and you can't blame them for building their organization to the level it's at now. And, and, and they're benefiting from the fruits of their labor. Like, I mean, Le'Veon Bell didn't go to a, a team that wasn't a contender. He, he went to a team that's a contender. And, you know, you know, shouts out to him. You're going from the Jets to the Super Bowl champs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm happy for him. I hope he gets out there and really just has that that um that redemption year um that a lot of players end up having. Um hey, like Ryan Tannehill's having it like kind of right now. You know, people forgot about him as a starting quarterback and he's just been doing his thing in Tennessee since he's got his opportunity last year. So hopefully, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell has a similar situation like that and he's able to, you know, do his thing, man, and and, and get back where, you know, he's he's supposed to be or where he once was when he left um you know, Pittsburgh. All right. Now, I have a question for you, Coach T. And here it is. Now, there are a lot of quarterback-hungry teams out there. All right? Teams that maybe are, like, more middle of the pack and, and might not have a shot at Trevor Lawrence, so to speak. If you are a quarterback-hungry team, would you trade for Sam Darnold and or Mitchell Trubinsky, given that Darnold is 23 
and Trubisky is 26. And if you would make that trade, what would you give up to get a quarterback that you feel has a ton of upside? Wow. That, that's tough. That is tough. Uh, if, if I was a GM, would I do it personally? No, I wouldn't, you know, but there are GMs in the league and there are owners too that just do too much. And we know who they are um, mm. that, that will give up something to get one of those guys. So, so if I could put myself in the mind of one of these owners, owners or GMs, let's start with a Washington football team. I could see them doing it, giving oh. up. That's just, that's just in his wheelhouse, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, and I, I love Ron Rivera, man, but I just think that the owner of the Washington football team, and I'll just leave it at that. I don't even, I'm not even going to mention his name, but the owner of the football team will make a decision like this. He'll, he'll give up a second round pick for one of those guys. He'll give up a second round pick. I don't think you give up a first round pick for either one. I, I just don't see it. I think if you do, then the other team won. You know what I'm saying? They won. If, if, if you give them a first-round pick for one of those guys, they won. Because right now, Mitch – look, I love Mitch. Y'all know this. He's a, he's a Tar Heel. He's my guy. You know, I stand up for him when nobody else does. But in the end of the day, he lost his job to Nick Foles, who quite honestly isn't, like, been super oppressive, you know, since he's been the starting quarterback. But no, the he same, hasn't. Yeah, but you, you lost your job to him. So why would I give up a first-round pick for Mitch, even though I know that Mitch has talent in, in a different system, he could be very good, but not if he goes to Washington. You know what I'm saying? Not if he goes to Washington. You know, I don't even think Haskins a terrible quarterback. I just think that the Washington has the bad juju, man. Like, I don't care what what player they get right now, man. It's too too much stuff going on up there, man, for them to be good. So, hey, man, here's here's the thing. I was thinking more like like the likes of like Minnesota, right? I was thinking maybe like the likes of um, like Atlanta, right? I was thinking something like that. But when you said Washington, yeah. I was like, oh no, that was, oh, that's not where I want to go because I don't want to even throw that out there and, and, and speak that into existence because yeah. Chocolate City, we love y'all. Okay. For sure. For sure. And yo, Congratulations. It looks like you're in the running for tanking for Trevor. Yeah, or first place down in there. the NFC East. I mean, one, <laughs> oh, one oh, yeah, either way. Either which way. One, which one you want? Yeah, I'm saying. Which one you want, bro? You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you two games away from being in first place, bro. Oh, so, uh, man. That, I, you know what? I didn't even want to bring up that division today. Yeah. I was trying to keep it on the sunny side of the street. For but, sure. I mean, you know. I'm just I'm giving them I'm giving them yeah. something to be positive about. You know, you, you could yeah. potentially trade for a quarterback, win a couple games, and end up in first place. So mm. I could see how Washington might do it because right now they don't know. Like they benched the kid, um, Haskins, and and they don't I don't think they believe in him. So I, you know, I could see them trying to find a quarterback while they feel like they still have a chance to kind of um, you know, salvage the season, right? And still kind of chase a playoff um playoff berth so but minnesota too though like that, that's a that's a good what they got so much money tied up in cousins do you just give up on him already you know I what mean, i'm saying his thing is is that i i look at that guy and I, I said it in a preview part on him is that i was never 
the drill was definitely still out on him for me. And I, there was too much Matt Schaub in him. And I understand that Matt Schaub threw a lot of pick sixes and maybe Kirk Cousins hasn't done that. But when they gave him the bag and Stephon Diggs went to Buffalo, I was like, oh, no, it's all over in Minnesota because that dude is not the dude that loses a weapon like that and gets better. He, he's just not. And he's got a rookie, he's got a rookie wide receiver who's, who's very good. The problem is, is that he is a rookie wide receiver. It takes some time. So you take away one of his literal favorite targets other than Thielen, and you replace him with a rookie, which you don't have OTAs or what we consider real OTAs, right? Because a lot of stuff was virtual because of the pandemic. And this is what you get. This is a recipe for disaster. And I just thought that Minnesota would be a team, Atlanta. I'm thinking about teams that are – their defense is pretty straight, right? They got a couple weapons. The quarterback, they made, maybe they paid them a lot of money, you know, and now they're kind of regretting it. Those are the teams I was kind of thinking about. But I was, I was, I was hoping that. Washington would stay clear of that situation, but you're right. Their owner does get involved and make terrible decisions, so we'll see where that goes with that. Speaking of quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson must be listening to the pod, Coach T. Shout out Deshaun Watson, man. My God. Yeah, because he heard your cries and laments about Eric Bieniemy. And he is advocating that Eric Bieniemy become his head coach. Your thoughts on that, Coach T? I think it's awesome. And it's not just awesome because he's black. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's awesome first and foremost because Deshaun Watson is an African-American quarterback who earned the contract he just received. Unfortunately, due to, you know, circumstances beyond his control, whether that's the O-line, whether that was the coaching and general manager, he just wasn't in a situation to succeed this year. Um, I think that his opinion should matter when you invested so much money into him, just like a, a la LeBron James in basketball. He, he wants his coach, right? So I'm happy that he spoke up. And, and in 2020, we're learning that our voices matter. So it's good to, to really see a young black quarterback with so much, uh, with a huge platform to really just, you know, not keep his mouth closed and say, hey, look, this guy's qualified. Look at his track record. He has the proof, right? Um, I was listening to, you know, a podcast that I listen to a lot um, and just talking about, you know, having proof when you're trying to um, sell somebody on what you're doing. You got to have proof. Like, uh, he has the proof. He, he, he coached. He won a Super Bowl. He has a ton of experience in the league. It, it, it's there. He has the proof. Like, he doesn't need anything else outside of a chance to be a, a head coach in this league. And and if he comes in with a star quarterback and he makes the right moves and they shore up the O-line a little bit, I can see that situation really, really working out. But I hope that the um, the front office of the, of the Houston Texans actually listens to him because 
why invest your money in him the way you the way you did if you're not going to at least listen to him about the coach that he wants because don't you want to have that um, that chemistry with the head coach and your superstar quarterback so that you guys can shoot for the stars and, and fight to, you know, contend for Super Bowls and things like that. So um, shouts out to Deshaun Watson, man. I, I just I'm happy when guys speak up. You know what I'm saying? I'm just glad that he didn't keep quiet and just let them handle that. I'm glad he at least, you know, he said something. So what they do from here is going to be on them. But I'm glad he did say something for sure. Coach T, I couldn't agree with you more. And this is what I'll say on it is that it's not the black thing. But when your quarterback is getting killed, and the reason why he's getting killed is because your coach slash GM is trading everything in sight for pennies on the dollar and almost strips that team bare. You gotta at least take some credence, credence into what he's saying. Help me help you, as Jerry Maguire once said to Cuba Gooden Jr. Um, in one of my favorite movies of all time. But help, help Deshaun, help the Texans. Like get this guy what he needs. And if he feels that he can buy with Eric the enemy, and also, by the way, you're hurting the Kansas City Chiefs because you're breaking up continuity. So win-win when it comes to that, right? So you're, you get a, a, a pretty aggressive offensive mind who studied under Andy Reid and, and others, and he's been, you know, all through, he's been up and down through the coaching carousel. You know, he's been quality control coach, all kinds of things. So it's not like he hasn't paid his dues. And it would be great to see him get a shot instead of like taking somebody who was coaching maybe like a year ago who took a year off and then came back. A la the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and that's all I'll say on that one. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's definitely uh like you say, man, he has the proof, dude. Like, show me proof. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the same way we look at ratings before we buy something. Like, you know, you read the reviews before you go to a restaurant. You have to have proof, dude. Like, if one person tells me something, okay. But if I hear it from like 10 people, then I know, okay, here's here's some proof, right? They're starting to build some proof um that's telling me that. This restaurant is either a great restaurant or a really bad one. Okay, his proof is that he won a Super Bowl, right? He was a part of that dynamic offense, and he he played a, a, an important role in making sure that you know the execution of that offense was consistent every game. That led to them winning the Super Bowl, their quarterback winning the MVP, um, and and just seeing continued success. Like I say, been been you know in the Andy Reid coaching tree is a part of that. You know. Um, I just don't think that he, he really has to prove anything else, but him having a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's a star, a superstar now in his league, speak up and say that he wants him. Now, I, I don't know what else needs to happen outside of them saying, all right, let's, let's ink the deal. Let's go ahead and reach out to him. And the only way we won't make him our head coach is if he says no. 
Well, here's the other thing that Texan fans should also look in on is that Eric Bieniemy is a pretty aggressive guy. And the one thing that I have seen of him is not just the fiery uh, disposition that he has, is that he seems to also be very relatable to the offensive line. And everywhere he's went, uh, the, the rushing game, which that's always been the Achilles heel, of the Houston Texans, they have never had an established running back. The closest they had was Lamar uh, Miller, and that was it. So here's a guy who is going to, in a sense, just give you a supercharged upgrade to your running game because he believes in it. And that's helping your franchise quarterback, by the way. A running game is the best friend to the franchise quarterback. That means he's not getting destroyed every third play that he takes from center. Yeah, I I hope that, uh, number one, you know, once they get the right, you know, general manager and and hopefully head coach in place, that they know, number one, we got to shore up the O-line. We got to protect our, we got to protect our asset and then go from there. Um, how, how they, how they didn't figure that out this year with Bill O'Brien, you know, that's, you know, only he knows that because <laughs> we're not in between his ears. We're not in his head, but how do you pay so much money for a quarterback? How do you, how do you watch this guy develop into somebody that literally almost took you to the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? If the bottom didn't fall out of that game, and why wasn't it your, you know, number one priority to protect him, like to find O-line help? Like if the Panthers can find like diamonds in the rough <laughs> and, and make an O-line that we thought was pretty bad, really, really good, really low key. They did that low key. You mean to tell me you guys couldn't do that knowing you had a superstar quarterback? That just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I hope it works out, man. I really do, man. But shouts out to Deshaun, man, for stepping up and, and using this platform to say something, man. Like these, everybody, man, if you have a platform, right, use it, dude. Use it. And, and he did exactly what he could do. I mean, that he said something. So, shouts out to him. Yeah, shouts out to Deshaun Watson.